0: Welcome to Passion. For more information about Passion, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. I want to read a couple verses of Scripture here. We're going to kind of stay in Genesis. We're going to go into Genesis chapter 25, Genesis chapter 32, and then Genesis chapter 35 just going to give you some highlights about a uh, an account uh, an experience in the lives of some people that you know about but i want to draw some light some attention to some things that happened genesis chapter 25 beginning in verse 21 says isaac prayed to the lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren and the lord answered his prayer and his wife rebecca became pregnant the babies jostled each other within her and she said Why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other, and the older will serve the younger. There's a switch right there. We're not going to talk about that one, but it happened. When the time came for her to give birth, there there were twin boys in her womb, and the first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment so they named him Esau and after this his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel so he was named Jacob which by the way means he grasps the heel or uh, we translate it many times as he deceives or he's the surplanter or he's the cheater or he's the trickster and Isaac was 60 years old when Rebecca gave birth to them. Genesis chapter 32, verse 24. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. Verse 27. The man asked him, What is your name? And Jacob answered, Jacob. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men, and you have overcome. Genesis chapter 35, verse 14. Jacob set up a stone pillar at the place where God had talked with him and he poured out a drink offering on it and he also poured oil on it and Jacob called the place where God had talked with him Bethel. Then they moved on from Bethel and while they were still some distance from Ephrath, Rachel began to give birth and had great difficulty. And as she was having great difficulty in childbirth, the midwife said to her, don't be afraid for you have another son. And as she breathed her last, for she was dying, she named her son Ben Oni. But his father named him Benjamin. I referenced a passage of Scripture last week. Psalms chapter 16, verse 11 says this At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. As I mentioned to you last week, Jacob, or Israel, participated in a switch. You will remember, as I told you last week, as he was on his deathbed, his son uh, Joseph comes to him and places his two sons, Manasseh being the oldest and Ephraim being the youngest, and stands them in front of Jacob for that final blessing. And you'll remember, as I told you, he switched his hands and he laid his right hand, his strong hand, his patriarchal blessing, the place of prominence, the place of favor and esteem on the younger son, Ephraim, and placed him in front of. He switched and made Ephraim, in fact, as if he was the firstborn. It's a famous switch. It had implications for Ephraim's life. As you will remember, it caused Ephraim to fulfill his name. Does anybody remember what Ephraim means? Doubly fruitful there's something interesting about names to me I've always been uh, I, I don't know if it's because I heard my father as I was growing up as he was do as he would do baby dedications and uh, marriages as you've seen that I do I'm just following my father's example he would study and discover what names meant I've always been intrigued by names and you will know that for those of you that have been uh, attending here that we've talked about the meaning of names on several occasions uh, today we don't think about names that much we choose our children names based on whether or not they go well with the last name, Uh, or we choose names based on people we know. We name them after our aunts and our uncles and our fathers and our mothers, and we name them after friend characters on TV. Y'all know that when friends was so popular, the most popular boy's name suddenly became Chandler, and the the most popular girl's name became Rachel, because we don't really stop anymore and think about what names mean. But in Scripture, when you begin to dig and discover what names mean, we understand and we should come to this understanding and realization that in God's eyes, names are extremely important. And the people of that day understood that. You'll remember, some of you I hope will remember my favorite story in the Bible about Abishai. His name meant the father of a gift. And he begins this journey because he recognizes that if I'm called the father of a gift, I've got to discover what that gift is. And he goes on a lifelong journey to find out what his gift was. You can continue to read and even discover that God used names to reveal himself And his attitude towards his people in Hosea. You ought to go and read Hosea sometime. Hosea marries a prostitute on the command of God. And she gives birth to three children. And God steps in and says, I want you to name these children as an indication of my relationship with Israel. He has a child. Named Jezreel, which means God scatters. He has a, another child named Lo Ruama, which means not loved. And then finally, he has another child named Lo Ami, which means not my people. And so he's he's speaking through the names of those children, his his feelings and his present relationship with Israel. But per- perhaps the most significant. Revelation of the power of names is found in the passage of scripture that I read to you in Genesis chapter 25 and Genesis chapter 32. You were as I read to you, Isaac and Rebecca are expecting children. The Bible says that Rebecca had something going on. She began to recognize in her in her uh, belly that the babies were moving around. Those of you that have given birth know what that 's like, but in this particular instance, something unusual. she began to recognize there 's something uh, they didn 't have. Um, ultrasounds those days so when, when the fight began in her belly she knew something was wrong there, there's there got to be something messed up here and she went and inquired of the Lord the, the word says and she began to pray and God gives her a revelation that she's going to have twins and you know the story the The Bible says that the first one came out and it was Esau but when he comes out of the wound something interesting happens the, the second baby is holding on to his heel almost as if he's trying to pull Back in, so I can get ahead of you and 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 become greater than you. And out of that experience, they name him Jacob, heel grabber, deceiver, surplanter. And over the next few decades of that little boy's life, he lives down to the meaning of his name. Oh, you're not unfamiliar, I hope. With what Jacob does, you you remember that he tricks his own daddy. He lives down to his name. He he puts on hairy garments and he goes in and he serves his father a meal to get the birthright to steal the birthright. He 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 lives down to his name when he tricks his own brother out of the birthright. He, he lives down to his name when he runs from his brother. He goes to work for his uncle Laban and with deceitful tactics he builds his own flocks and and then deceives his own uncle. He's living down to the implications of his name. And then, you remember what happens, a switch takes place. The Bible says that Jacob comes face to face with God. He has this wrestling, this God-dominated wrestling match. How many of you know you can't out-wrestle God? And and so he begins to grab hold of God, and they begin to compete, and and they wrestle, and in that moment that, that, that... angel of the Lord is standing there and says, what's your name? And he, he reveals everything about himself with one statement. He says, my name is Jacob. And he says, oh, no. There's a switch going to happen this, this afternoon. We, this morning we've wrestled and, and, and I've wrestled with you all night. And now you're no longer Jacob, you're Israel. And all of a sudden, the course, the destiny, the path of this young man changes by the meaning of his name. He switches from being the deceiver and the trickster and the, 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 the stealer and all of those applications, the cheater. And he becomes the one who's struggled with God. And he becomes the father of a nation. And his name is used to pronounce blessings. And he becomes a great nation. And he becomes the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, Israel. Separate and holy. All through the power of his name. Which brings me to the second switch that I want to talk to you about this morning. The Bible says that... Shortly after having his name changed from Jacob to Israel, shortly after he has this name changing, life changing encounter with God, that Jacob and Rachel become pregnant. Now you need to remember some things. You need to remember that Jacob had worked for his uncle Laban for seven years to win Rachel's hand. You will remember that the deceiver gets deceived, and what happens is after working seven years, think about that, those of you that have won your wife's hand in marriage or want to win somebody's hand in marriage. You work for two months, whining and dining them, and this guy worked for seven years, eight hours a day, every day of the week. He was out there struggling. doing manual labor, watching sheep, watching goats, trying to earn the hand of this young lady that he loved. And after seven long years, the wedding day finally happens. And he's excited and he's he's just uh, just overwhelmed by anticipation of that moment only to discover that his uncle was a better trickster than he was. And he wakes up the next morning, and his uncle had sent in the original ugly Betty, Leah. Go, go, go! Read about Leah. It said she was uh, doe-eyed. You know, I think is that the term doe-eyed? I believe. And you know what that means? She was cross-eyed. And he wakes up and uh, he 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 rolls over, all excited about the fact that I get to spend the rest of my life with this fox, and she's mine. And, and he rolls over, and instead of being Rachel, it's Leah. And so. He doesn't love her, and so what he does is he go, but he goes back to work. Seven more years? Can you? That just blows my mind. Fourteen years! That girl must have been fine to work fourteen years. And finally, after fourteen years, the day comes and he marries Rachel. The only problem was is that Rachel was barren which in that day was a curse. Leah, however, was extremely productive. In fact, before Rachel ever gave birth to the first child, we discover that Leah had already had six sons and a daughter. And Rachel is there lamenting and weeping and feeling like I'm second class and I'm second rate and I'm a nobody and I'm a nothing. The Bible says that God remembered Rachel and she gives birth to Joseph. Things are good. But seven to one, that's not good odds. And so she begins to have self-esteem issues again and begins to cry out to God and begins to cry out to her husband and feels like she's a nobody. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, stay with me this morning, I'm going somewhere, I promise. Stay with me. Out of nowhere, God remember, remembers Rachel and with a gleam in her eyes and a smile that's unending on her face she finally comes back to Jacob and she says to him I'm pregnant again. Get the picture in your mind. The love of his life has come back to life again. The love of his heart is now refreshed, she's not moping anymore, she's not depressed anymore, she's not sitting on the couch watching Oprah every day with gloom and despair anymore, no, she comes bounding in and says, no, I'm going to be productive again, I'm pregnant, and their dreams are being fulfilled, and their life is full, and their love is producing offspring, she carries the little boy to full term. When the time of childbirth comes, when they recognize that the momentary pain, I can call it momentary because I've never been through it. The ladies may have a different perspective on that. But the momentary pain is going to give way to what will be unspeakable joy and unspeakable celebration. And there will be a feast and it will be a great day when something goes terribly wrong. And what should have been a day of parties and what should have been a day marked by baby showers and what should have been a day where the father is handing out bubblegum cigars and with his chest pulled out and it's a boy and I'm the daddy, that's my son on that day. What should have been remembered as a day that the love of Jacob's life has been productive that day becomes the day that Rachel dies in her last moments of struggle she recognizes something's wrong she recognizes that rather than what I thought was going to bring me joy and what I thought was going to bring me peace and what I thought was going to complete me now I recognize that it's going to completely destroy and end my life have you ever been in the place where the thing that you thought was God's answer where you thought it was the the solution, where you thought it was your destiny, where you thought it was the fulfillment of the dream, when you thought it was all of that, when at the end of the day, when you are ready to celebrate what you discover is rather than it being that, you suddenly come to the realization that what you thought was going to be all that instead devastated you, and it was a tragic moment, and you feel like your life has come to an end. That's where she was. In that moment of complete and utter despair. From the depths of a broken and a destroyed heart, a shattered soul, she struggles to speak. Now she takes her last, last gasping breath. And her son of promise is born. Her son of blessing breaks onto the scene. Her son of destiny comes falling out, coming out. This is the birthing of a great day. Out of her own despair and agony, she marks that little boy by declaring him to be Ben Onai. I can hear the name simultaneously coming across the threshold of her lips at the moment that that last death gra- grasp for air I don't know if you've ever been in the room when someone passes away, but that last breath escapes their lips and you know that they've gone into eternity. At that moment, in that last ounce of strength, she declares over that little boy, she marks that little boy with ben Oh, no. Nah. Rachel's pain is placed on her son. Rachel's devastation is wrapped around this little boy like a baby's blanket. Midwives step back and they nod in agreement he's been named well. Her caretakers nod and in understanding that she's spoken the truth. That she's named him correctly. That the words that have escaped her mouth in her death moment are the right words because she's named him ben O'Nai, which means son of my sorrow son of my trouble can you imagine what it would be like for your birthday to also be your mom's death Think about that a moment. Can you imagine the pain of realization that infiltrates this little boy's mind? I know he probably didn't recognize it on his first birthday or perhaps even his fourth birthday. But suddenly on his fifth birthday, when he's he can comprehend and he can grasp, now I recognize that my birthday caused my mom's death. Birthday parties now are marked with birthday cakes and then a few minutes later a trip to the cemetery new bikes roll in as a birthday present and then on the counter or in the refrigerator he finds a bouquet of flowers that my dad is going to take to the cemetery later today to remember the love of his life i killed my mom I destroyed my dad. Can you imagine the path that this little boy will follow? Think about this a moment. Every time he's going to enter a room, somebody's going to say, there's ben There's trouble. There's sorrow. There's death bringer. There's There's death causer. There's that little killer. He comes to this place where he's going to realize that sorrow is the lot of his life and gloom and despair will be his calling card. He will earn and has earned his name. I don't know if Jacob was in the room. I don't know if he was standing outside the door pacing nervously. I'm not sure if he was out doing what shepherds do and taking care of his flocks all I know is that when he hears the cry of that little boy on that birthday he busts through that door and before him he sees the scene the love of his life on the best day of their life is dead I just have this Opinion, because of the way it's written that he walks into the door at the moment of Rachel's last breath and he hears the declaration Ben, oh nigh and then a switch happens <laughs> he calls an audible at the line and in one moment he changes that little boy's destiny forever I love, he says, no, no, not Benoni. Benjamin. Do you know what Benjamin means? The son of my right hand. (laughs) Can you imagine that at that moment? Oh, I love the way scripture says this. It says, but. His Father. I love that. Because I've had some but my father moments. I've had some moments in my life where my life should have been destroyed and there should have been tragedy that's overtaken my life and my life should have been marked by sorrow and there should have been pain and people ought to look at me and say, there comes trouble, but my father says no. He's the Son of Of my right hand. And in that moment. His his little boy. Becomes elevated to a place of prominence and favor. At that moment. From a son of struggle and a son of sorrow. He is elevated to a son of favor and fortune. A switch takes place. And I just came. To make a. Simple but profound declaration over you today. But your Father. Your life has been marked by trouble and despair. Your life has been shrouded and wrapped in pain and agony tragedy has been your calling card whatever you touch falls apart wherever you walk seems to bring sadness and sickness and suffering and and they're your constant traveling companions and if it wasn't for bad luck you'd have no luck at all you look in the mirror and what you see is you see ben O'Neill. you examine your past and all you see is sorrow you look at your, your present and you say, all I see is trouble. You look forward to your future and you say, I'm never going to outlive my name. But your father, he is breaking into the room this morning of your depression. He's breaking right into the middle of your cage of addiction. He's breaking into the storyline of your failure. And he's declaring that in spite of your past, in spite of bad choices and decisions, you are now, whether you recognize it or not, you are now, at this moment, you've been elevated to the son of my right hand. And at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. See, the enemy meant your divorce for evil, but your father. The sickness was supposed to kill you, but your father. The pain was supposed to destroy you, but your father. The, the rape that you went through was supposed to imprison you emotionally, but your father. The bankruptcy was supposed to cripple you, but your Father, the loss was intended to overshadow the rest of your life. But your father, the death was supposed to absolutely darken your life. But your father, he stepped in at the moment of your pain and he's declared that what the enemy meant for harm, he can turn it. He can switch it. He can exchange it. He can revolutionize it. He can transform it. He can metamorphosize it into good because you're now the son of his right hand. And you've come into this place of destined fellowship and destined greatness. But you have a choice to make this morning. You have to choose what name you'll go by. You have to make a choice. What name will you believe? Because I've got news for you this morning. The enemy right now over you is speaking a name that is the name of Ben and I. He's saying, oh, no you're nothing but destroyed, you're nothing but sorrow, you're nothing but trouble but you've got to come to this place where you hear another voice shouting out over you, you're the son of my right hand and you have to make a conscious decision, will I bow my head in shame, will I walk everywhere I go in sorrow, will I believe what he said and then become a person of trouble and pain and I'll be marked by that the rest of my life or will you elevate your head and say no, no, but even though he meant it for harm, God God stepped in and He turned my night into morning and now I find myself as the son of the right hand. I'm Benjamin. That's who I am. You have to make that choice. We can speak words of life and words of encouragement and words of destiny over you every weekend. You can come in here and we can say you're this and you're that. But until the moment comes where you discard the name that the enemy has declared over you and exchange it and switch it for the name that he's declared over you. If you don't do that, you'll walk in despair the rest of your life. I got a a question for you. Whose report will you believe? Oh, he's the accuser of the brethren. Right now he's accusing. Say, oh, did you see what they did? Oh, did you see the mistake they made? Do you see the struggles they've gone through? There are nobody. There are nothing. And God say, no, don't hear this. Listen, don't hear him. He's lying to you. You're my son. And I've elevated you to the right hand. you got to see something. I stumbled across this by accident. I discovered that when Joshua made the assignments of territory in the promised land, that when it comes time to give Benjamin his inheritance, listen to this, this blows my mind. When, when Joshua begins to divvy out inheritance, he, he, he starts and he gives it to one son and to another son and to another tribe and another tribe. And finally, he comes down to Benjamin and he gives Benjamin his inheritance. You want to know where he ends up? This blows my mind. His inheritance is sitting right between Ephraim to the north and Judah to the south. Stay with me now. Y'all remember what Ephraim means, doubly fruitful. You know what Judah means, don't you? Praise think about this. This means that this little boy whose life was supposed to be surrounded by pain and surrounded by sorrow and surrounded by trouble and surrounded and overtaken by tragedy. Here comes little killer boy. Here comes mama killer. Here comes devastator. Here comes the the scourge of the earth. Instead his inheritance is right between doubly fruitful up there and right back here is praise. I'm totally surrounded by being doubly fruitful and my life is going to be full of praise. I'm surrounded Surrounded by the goodness of God and now I praise him that's his inheritance and I came to tell you this morning that if you would believe the word of the Lord over your life you would discover that where you were once surrounded by pain and where tragedy overtook you and where devastation is wrapped around you no, no, no get into the right place at his right hand there's double fruitfulness and praise that's what we're supposed to be surrounded by Oh, I like that. I stumbled into that by accident. And I blessed myself because I recognize that I'm doubly fruitful and I'm praying. I've got praise. And then I discovered this. I don't want to stretch scripture. That's, you know me better than that. That's not my intention. I'm just going to tell you this is an interesting fact to me. I don't understand this. But in 1 Chronicles chapter 12, verse 2. We're told that the men from the tribe of Benjamin had this unique and uncommon ability to shoot their bows and throw their spears with either, their slings with either their right hand or their left hand. I went and I found out that that's not said about any other tribe. No other tribe has this ability. No other tribe has this unique distinction. They can use their right hand and their left hand. They can use their left hand just as strong as they can use their right hand. And I found out that in those days, the left hand was associated with the negative aspects of life. If there was ever a people, if there was ever a tribe that understood what it was like to start on the left hand and have God let them come to the right hand it was this tribe and I I don't want to strip scripture but I just believe that what God was saying was look I can take all the negative aspects of your life I can take the moments of your life that you wish you could forget I can take whatever the enemy brought into your life that produced sorrow and trouble and I can make that thing a weapon in your hand and you can't just fight right handed on the favor but you can even take the negative things in your life and they become a weapon for you Hmm, woo! You gotta understand, you gotta come to this place where you hear what God is saying about you, and you gotta come to this place where you even see the weakest moments of your life, the painful moments of your life, the tragic moments of your life, and you say, No, no, no. God was in that too. God understood my pain. He didn't abandon me, he didn't walk out on me, he's never forsaken me. And if I if he was with me, nobody can be against me. So he can even take the most painful moments of my life, and I can use those things to as a weapon against the enemy. How many of you left-handed this morning? (laughs) I know you know how to fight out of the goodness of God. I I know you know how to do battle out of the favor of God. But how many of you have this ability to go to the left side and look back on the painful moment of your life and say, Oh, devil, you don't even know what you did. You brought pain. But now this left arm has gained strength. And now I not only will smite you from the right side, I'll pick up the painful moments of my life and smite you with my left hand. We gotta see our lives differently. We gotta hear the name differently. We gotta understand that he's declaring over us. We're the children of the right hand. But that's not just enough. We are surrounded by, by doubly fruitful and praise. And then out of that we come armed for battle. And we look back on the drug addiction. And we look back on the, on the divorce. And we look back on the sickness. And we look back on the devastation. And we say, oh, I'm not going to live in shame. I'm not going to live with my head bowed. I'm the son of the right hand. But I can also use this hand. And now I'm complete in Him. That's who God says we are so we got to come to this place where we begin to believe what we hear him say. I'm concerned that some of you have listened to the enemy's voice for so long that you begin to believe what he's saying about you. How many of you know if a lie is repeated often enough, people will believe it? And some of you have taken the enemy's word over you as law. I got news for you. There is a greater word that is more preeminent and prominent and more powerful than enemy. the enemy's word could ever be. The enemy doesn't have any creative ability. God is the one that has creative and regenerative ability. And at that moment when the enemy wants to say they are this and that, he says no, 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 no. You missed it. You called it wrong. And now I declare, I want somebody to get this this morning. I Declare over them, they're Benjamin. And they're going to fight different now. And they're going to walk different now. Because they have my favor. And they have my grace. And they're doubly fruitful. And out of that doubly fruitful life, they will become people surrounded, overtaken with, consumed with praise. Anybody thankful that God made a switch? Mm. Anybody thankful that God stepped into the midnight of your life and called you the son of His right hand? I want you to stand with me this morning. Oh, this message may not have been for anybody but me, but I've had fun with it all week. I'm gonna tell you right now, God is speaking to me that I am. I come on, you got to. Oh, we're gonna do it like this. I sense this from the Holy Spirit. Say this right now. I am. I am. I am. I am. Who He says. I am. I am not what the enemy says I am. I am the Son of the right hand. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I worship you, Jesus. thank you father I thank you that there a moment in my life when I was overtaken in death when I couldn't save myself when I'd made bad choices and bad decisions that were going to mark my life forever y'all didn't hear what I just said to him at the moment that I made bad decisions and choices when I didn't live up to Your name, and I lived up to the accuser's name over me, and I operated out of rebellion and sin. There are always consequences to sin, but somehow, some way, what the enemy meant for harm in my life, somehow, some way, into that darkness, into that death, into that pain, you walked in. And the power of your word, the, the power that emanates out of your mouth, that threw universes into place, that same power spoke over my life and said, no, no, he's the son of my right hand, and there will be pleasures forevermore. And when others look at him and try to call him by his old name, instead what they're going to see is a young man surrounded by doubly fruitful life with a mouth that's full of praise. And he's going to whip the devil's hiney with his left hand. And when he's got him down and when he's got him on the run, just about the time it looks like that hand is about to run out of strength, don't worry, he's got a right hand too. And he's going to have taken me out of the devastation of my own life. And he's going to allow me to come out swinging. And I'm going to drive him out of the kingdom. God, I pray over my people this morning. I pray that right in the midst of their pain. I pray that for every person under the sound of my voice whose life has been marked by pain and tragedy and sorrow and they've looked in the mirror and now they begin to say over themselves, they've repeated what the enemy has said, there's my trouble, there's my sorrow, that's what I'm going to always be. I'm going to duck my head and I'm going to walk in defeat. God, I pray that somehow this morning, out of the depths of their spirit, they would hear the voice of God but your Father has declared. Come on, get that right hand up right now. You've made me the son of your right hand, and I give you glory and honor and praise thank you Jesus but I'm mature enough now come on get the left hand up too. I'm mature enough now that the bad things that have happened in my life I can even look on them and I can say hey I can use either hand I can fight with either hand and now what devastated my life is a weapon thank you Jesus thank you Jesus Thank you, Father. Come on, I want us to use our hands as weapons this morning. I want you to lay your left hand. Well, my left hand, why that? That's not my strong hand A blessing. We'll get there. Get your left hand on somebody this morning right now, standing around you. Oh, God. I lay my left hand on Woody this morning, and I pray that all the devastating moments of his life That moment that he regrets. That moment of shame. That moment of pain. That moment of unspeakable heartache. That happened on his left hand. Come on, switch hands. But now, God, I pray that Woody would begin to believe who he really is. And I pray that you would elevate him into a son of prominence and favor. Come on, pray that over the people you're praying for right now. God, I pray that now your voice and your voice would drown out the voice of the enemy and all the stuff that happened on the left hand. God, we would begin to see it correctly that even during the painful moments, you were elevating us and moving us to the right hand of favor. Oh, God. I pray that he would be surrounded by being doubly fruitful and praise. I pray that everywhere he goes, fruitfulness would be found. I pray that everywhere he goes, his mouth would be filled with praise. I pray that with every breath, praise would come out of his mouth because he recognizes that he's surrounded by the goodness of God. And God, I pray that every aspect of his life, come on, lay both hands on him, right and left. I pray that right now, every aspect of this life, the good, the bad, and the ugly would all work together be woven together to produce in us an anointing and a power a fighting army able to destroy the enemy on either side in Jesus name and I declare you Woody Burpo to be a Benjamin. You're not Ben Onai. You're Benjamin. Come on, say that over the person you're praying over right now. You're Benjamin. Come on, tell him God has switched your name. You're Benjamin. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Come on, give him a praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. And so, Father, this is my prayer this morning. If it was just for us, that would probably be good enough, but there's another step. I pray that you would assign us that you would bring people across our path that have their heads ducked, that are going through left-handed moments. Destruction is everywhere. God, I pray that when they cross our path, we would reach out with our left hand and we would raise their head. We would bear one another's burdens and we would begin to minister to them and say, you heard wrong. You heard wrong. You heard wrong. Because the final word is that you're the son of his right hand and he wants to produce in you fruitfulness and praise. Assign us to folks, oh God, pray, that need that kind of switch. In Jesus' name.